sports box fans and welcome back to sports box i'm your host jude as always in the time of year is here well that that rhymed really well i could i could be the riddler that actually sounded like a very good riddle um but <laughs> besides the point the time is here it is the nfl draft probably if not one of the most exciting things in the nfl besides the actual play um honestly probably more exciting than a lot of other sporting events. (laughs) Um, But the NFL draft truly is a a time where it's like, man, this is, I mean, this is where dreams come true for some of these, some of these, you know, 18, 19 year olds, actually more like 20, 23 year olds. Um, Their dreams come true to become an NFL player. Uh, And that's what the NFL draft is all about. And it's crazy that this gets so much viewership for something where there's not a single snap of a ball in this in 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 this whole event, right? And you know the first round is obviously on Monday on on Thursday, I should say, and that's a three hour event. There is three hours of non football, just guys getting selected, walking up, taking a picture with the commissioner, and holding their jersey, and yet it still gets more viewership than the World Series. Yeah, the NFL is still on top. But <laughs> that's a topic for another day. But today I'm presenting you with the one and only Sports Box Draft 1.0 and the only mock draft that I will be having this year. I got to admit, I have I have not done the best job at you know really giving you guys all this draft stuff, right? I, I, this is probably the first draft podcast that I'm really doing where I'm going in depth on, you know, my mock draft and just, you know, the whole 2022 draft class alone. Um, and as, as I was researching, you know, when I looked from this, this, this draft class on the surface, I really was like, it, this to me isn't a very interesting draft class. But the more and more I looked at this draft class, I think this draft class does have some potential to have some absolute studs and not even just your first 10, not even just your first, you know, 20, not even your first 30. I think there's guys that probably aren't in my mock draft that either will get drafted in the first round or will make it to day two and still are going to be absolute studs. So that is what I love about this mock, this, this, this draft this year. And the other thing is that we don't know who the number one pick is. And to me, that's, it's almost like a breath of fresh air, um, sort of, um, in a way. I, I think not knowing who the number one pick is kind of brings some intrigue into even the first pick, right? Because for years now, we've always known, okay, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Miles Garrett, all those guys, we all knew they were going to be the number one pick, right? We all were like, we all could have turned the TV off for the first pick, closed our eyes or whatever, and not even listened to the first pick and would have known that the first pick would have been one of those guys on their respective years. Um, but this year's a little bit interesting. And I think it's because that we have a quarterback class this year that's not terribly deep, right? You know, in, in the Miles Garrett year, obviously he's the exception. But for most of these years, we've had number one quarterback after number one quarterback after number one quarterback in a class that is usually stacked with loads of talent. I mean, you look at the Joe Burrow year in 2020, you had um, Joe Burrow, uh, Justin Herbert, Tua Tagovailoa, um, guys like that who, okay, maybe not Tua is in the same conversation as them, but just this just studs in that draft class. Um, so I think that's what makes, to me, this draft class super interesting because we don't have that number one guy. 
Um, but I want to get into my mock draft before I waste any more of your time because obviously I want to fly through this and I don't want to make this such a long podcast where it's, you know, 40 minutes of me just talking about every single draft pick, which I will be talking about every single draft pick, but just not to that crazy extent. But I want to start with Trayvon Walker, who is my first overall pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, this has been... This Jaguars pick has gone everywhere, right? Originally, it was Evan Neal and then Aiden Hutchinson. And then recently, Trayvon Walker has shot up the draft boards and is now there at the number one. He's now at the number one, basically. Um, now, you might be like, does he really deserve to be number one? And that, that to me, when I was making my mock draft and thinking about this class, to me, I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, Trayvon Walker, you can look at his film and this dude... And, and the one thing that everyone's going to say about Trayvon Walker is the complete athlete that he is. The complete athlete he is. He ran a 4 5 140. Um, he had a broad jump of 123. He had a shuttle of 432. Four and his three cone was 6.89 seconds. This guy is a freak athlete. And there's no question about that. Now, I think looking at the Jaguars and why they would take him is the upside that he has, right? If you compare him to an Aiden Hutchinson, right off the bat, Aiden Hutchinson is the better player right now. There, there is no doubt in my mind, Aiden Hutchinson is the best defensive player in this draft. But if you, if you look purely at Jacksonville, I think Jacksonville is going to value the potential that Trayvon Walker possesses. I mean, this guy, like I've written, is 6'5", 275, and he does things that a 6'5", 275 athlete should not be able to do i mean you watch from his tape and he's just he's able to plant his foot and make a very very opposite direction cut to be able to tackle a speedy quarterback that's not something a 6'5 275 defensive end should be doing and so to me while i do think there are things that concern me about this pick i think it's the right way to go for jacksonville they're a team that is still building so it's not, you don't need this instant impact from Trayvon Walker, but the sky's the limit for this guy. And, and if you insert him into your defense, he gives you an automatic boost. Now we're going to move to number two, where the Lions are going to take Aiden Hutchinson. To me, I don't think it's really a discussion and I'm not going to go further into it. I already said it. I think he's the best defensive player in this class. Um, look, a hometown hero. He's going to, he's going to stay in state. And I, I just, I don't think there's much more to say about that. Now, moving to number three, because the Texans are a very interesting team to me, at least in this year's draft and what they're going to do. Um, I'll get into what they do with 13, but starting at three, it's kind of a mystery of what they can do because <laughs> when you go, <laughs> when you go to their, you know, draft needs, it's basically every position. Basically they need every position. Um, I, as much as I don't think Davis Mills is that guy for the future, I do think there is reason to believe in him um, after a sort of impressive rookie campaign that he put together. So I'm going to go with Evan Neal here with the third overall pick. I think if you look at it, there are guys like Kayvon Thibodeau, Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley, um, even Iki Aquanu, like guys like that who you could take off the board. But what really intrigues me about Evan Neal is just his versatility and that he's an absolute freak athlete. Um, and if there's anywhere to build a foundation, it's the offensive line. Getting a guy like Evan Neal, who is a freak athlete, you could put on the other side of Laramie Tunsil, that, that, is, that is your cornerstone 
of your team right there that you need to continue to build. So I think even if they don't go Evan Neal, maybe they go Iquanu uh, um, with the third overall pick. Either one of those picks is what they need to go. They need to go offensive line because that is how they are going to start this rebuild of this disastrous team that they have right now. Uh, at number four, and this was this was a pick that I longly debated, and I, I really had to think about what the Jets were going to do at four. But I think the Jets are in a very, very good position where they also have the 10th overall pick. So at four, I think they go Sauce Gardner. To me, I'm, I'm a big Sauce Gardner guy. And, and the thing is, if you don't allow a touchdown your whole career, you deserve to be a top five pick. I don't care the competition that you're playing. Um, and that's something that people are going to tell you about Derek Stingley. Oh, he played at LSU. He played the harder competition. Yeah, but when he played Devontae Smith all those times, he got whooped. He got whooped. Um, and Gardner, he, he hasn't allowed a touchdown. I don't care what the competition is, even against Alabama. While maybe they got crushed, Gardner had a hell of a performance. And you could tell that he's he is that guy. Um, I think this is a perfect guy that Robert Sala wants in his defense. Look, they they build around their front seven, who's just, you know, dominant, dominant, dominant. And they and then they even have scrappy corners who can play that man. And, I, and he's a long corner, too. Um, I, I think this is the perfect fit for Sauce Gardner. I think Robert Sala is going to fall in love with this guy instantly, like day one of training camp and even rookie minicamp. This guy is going to make an, an, an instant impact for this Jets defense that is very depleted. Now moving to five. Now the Giants, I'm I'm gonna be straight with you. They've got a they've got work and work to do um, in this year's draft. They've got to make it a, a point to be just absolute dominant in this draft. And the Giants, to me, um, are a team that needs this draft. They need this draft to go well. Um, many other teams on this top ten need this draft to go well. But if there's any team that needs this draft to go well, it is the Giants. Starting with e- Icky, his nickname Icky Aquanu. At number five, I like this pick, and you you could sit here and say, okay, why don't you take Kayvon? I think Kayvon's going to fall to seven, and I think he's going to be there for the taking. So I I don't think that it to me it's you could go, you know, Kayvon at five, but then you you miss the chance at getting Iquanu because I think Carolina would take him at six, um, which Charles Cross isn't bad. I, I want to point that out. Charles Cross isn't bad, but I, I like Iquanu just a bit better. I think what really separates Iquanu is. He's probably the best run blocking off of the tackle in this draft by far. Uh, he's very powerful. Uh, yes, he's not the pass blocking off of the tackle that you really want, but he can get there. He's progressively gotten better. And I'm a, I'm a big guy. And if they could take strides and they continue to take strides, they can get to that next level. And that's what he's been doing every year um, at NC State. And so I, I'm a firm believer in that this guy is going to be um, – you know, a, a premier offensive tackle once, once you know, his career is all said and done. But the other thing is, if you're the Giants, this is your final year with truly seeing what Daniel Jones is made of. Plus Saquon Barkley. I mean, those are two guys who have been in the hot seat, honestly, for the past year. But now it's really like, okay, this is your last chance. So if you, if you want any but chance to really show the true potential um, of both Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, this is the guy that you need because he's going to help make that offensive line better. Um, and, and so that's where I stand. So six, like I mentioned, I think Charles Cross goes six. Um, look, they're very similar players. He's risen up the board as well. Um, he, he has very long arms. He's very athletic. His hand placement is very good. Um, he plays left tackle. And, and, and left tackle is a big theme for me. I think a lot of these offensive tackles can play that 
left tackle position, and we've seen it more than ever. You need an offensive line to succeed, unless you are Joe Burrow, but still you need an offensive line to succeed, uh, regardless of that. That that was just, I don't even know what that was, but you need a you need an offensive line to succeed, and, and Charles Cross is your guy. He could play the left tackle position. Um, there's no reason to take a quarterback this high. I know there's a lot of talk about Pickett or maybe even Willis at six. I don't like it. I think it's too early for either one of those quarterbacks. Um, and they're not going to succeed if they don't have a good offense line. So I, I, I think you got to go Charles Cross. Uh, he's obviously, to me, I think he's the third best uh, tackle in this class. And so I, I, I think you've, you've got to take him. At seven, Kayvon Thibodeau. This guy is a freak athlete. If the Giants can land both Iquanu and Thibodeau, their draft is already in a no matter what in my book. Um, I think the thing that, People and I'm not. I didn't have him drop to seven because of the red flags. To me, if this guy drops further than seven, they are making a mistake. Forget the red flags. If he has character issues, if he has locker room issues, forget that. They said the same thing about Michael Parsons in last year's draft. And look, he almost he almost won Defensive Player of the Year, and there were probably no locker room issues with him. Um, the thing about Kayvon Thibodeau is almost like a Trayvon Walker is he is just a freak, freak athlete. Uh, he does possess a little bit more defensive end skills um, that you see in Walker. But the pure speed and strength that this guy got just jumps off the screen. And you're like, oh, my God, this guy is crazy good. He is crazy good. Uh, he has a high motor. Um, yes, the technique is not there. And I am a pretty big technique guy when it comes to especially defensive ends um, and guys that really play that you know five tech three tech type of position I am high on technique but when you got a guy with this just pure speed strength and athleticism you can almost throw the technique out now it's a lot easier to teach technique than you know the, the the athleticism and speed so that to me is where it's like okay you could teach the guy the technique but now that he has this foundation of just raw athleticism, man, the sky's the limit for him. And, and, and so that's why I got Kayvon at seven. At number eight, I got Garrett Wilson. Um, really not that hard of a pick. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons' number one receiver is Alamade Zakaros. Um That's kind of why they're going to get Garrett Wilson. They're, they're, I mean, there's no reason you don't. Uh, I think he's the number one receiver in this class. He, he ran a 4.38, has great hands. His route running is almost as good as Amari Cooper's. Um, he's the whole package when it comes to being that number one receiver. Um, and and I, I think he could fit right in. And look, Atlanta's going through a rebuilding year, so they're going to get Mariota a year. I think at the end of the day, Atlanta probably will end up with C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young in next year's draft. Um, but this is a guy, and obviously Calvin Ridley's done for the year, but... If you compare him next to Calvin Ridley, this receiving core is scary. Uh, with the addition of Kyle Pitts, um, this can be a scary, you know, receiving threat, tight end threat uh, type of room. Obviously, this year it's not going to show, but I think Garrett Wilson is going to show plenty of strides his rookie year. Derek Stingley is the guy that I wasn't high on, um, and, and for for multiple reasons. I, I think, look, it, it's very to me. If you keep going back to the 2019 tape. It's like, okay, yes, he was very good in 2019. He showed he was probably an elite corner in 2019. And I'm not saying, I'm not anywhere saying that he's not. And that's why I have him going top 10. Because if he wasn't, then I wouldn't have him going top 10. Um, the thing that 
raises concern with me is the injuries, um, especially for a cornerback. Not being able to stay healthy for two straight years is definitely a red flag for me. It's something I look at. Um, but I think if you're Seattle, you've got to take best player available. Um, and that's Derek Stingley in my mind. I with, with everything I just said, if he can get anywhere to what he was in 2019, you, you've got an all-pro corner at nine. That's that's where I stand with that pick. Um, not much more into it. At 10, the Jets. I, I like what the Jets have done and in this draft already. If 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 all goes to plan and they get Sauce Gardner at at four. Jameis Williams would honestly complete their draft. Um, both New York teams can completely win within the first 10 picks if they make these picks. I'm, I'm telling you now. Um, Jameson Williams, obviously he's not my receiver one. And I just talked about how Garrett Wilson is, prob- is, is clearly the receiver one. Jameson Williams is right up there. And if he didn't tear his ACL, he probably would have been receiver one. Uh, that ACL is definitely a concern just because before his ACL injury, bro was crazy i mean this guy was insane he was a missile that was shot out of a cannon his explosiveness mixed with his really good hands and his yak is just crazy um a good comparison you could say is a jerry a jerry judy who's just more explosive so that kind of gives you the type of player he's a good route runner and he's very he's more explosive than jerry judy um jerry judy's explosive but you got a guy who's a little more explosive, that's, I mean, that's scary. And, and this is a guy that you can add to that receiver room. We already have Elijah Moore. You already have, um, and Corey Davis, obviously got shot out Braxton Berrios because, you know, he's kind of that little nice little slot guy. Um, but I think Jameis Williams would complete this receiver room and and really give uh, Zach Wilson some some just guys to work with this season. Because, um, you know, I, Corey Davis, he kind of struggled. And I think Jameis Williams probably will at the end of the day be that number one guy for them i'm gonna run through 11 and 15 quick not trying to you know take up much time okay so 11 i have kyle hamilton i don't really want to explain this one too much i think it's best player available for washington they've got a lot of needs i think cam curl is a legit safety he's a really good strong safety kyle hamilton is at free safety position his iq is really good um he is very aggressive which is something that he's probably gonna have to learn that you're gonna have to be less aggressive it's not always the worst thing but sometimes he overshoots you know runs overshoots gaps that's the type of stuff that but obviously you can work on that and 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 like with guys who are super athletic it's easy to teach you know the it's easy to teach you know technique where it's harder to teach the pure talent athleticism that these guys got and that's what kyle hamilton is to me he's 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 a super athletic guy uh, he can hit you hard. He's not great in the coverage yet, but that is something you can obviously teach. Okay, number 12, I have George Karlaftis. This guy might be a, a, a huge sleeper. I mean, this guy is legit. Um, and, and the thing I love about him is he's kind of a mix of that pure athleticism and speed, but he's also got very, very good technique. Uh, his hands are very quick. He's very strong. He's not just using that force to get past guys, which I really love, especially at the collegiate level, if you can do that. He's not just a guy that is going to sit in one tech, three tech. He can even play on that outside. Um, I, he's very fluid. His hips are very good. Minnesota needs a guy like this to pair with Danell Hunter. This team, they're, they're young. They're rebuilding. Not rebuilding, I should say. They've got a good, they've got a good offense. 
They just need that defense of anchors uh, to be there. And George Karloftis is that guy. Okay, number 13, I have my first trade. I'm going to have Green Bay trading up to 13. And I'm going to tell you why. Green Bay's not getting any good receiver at 22. Okay, they're not getting any good receiver at 22. If they want a, a their guy, which I think is Drake London, they're going to need to trade up. And whether that's 13, 14, 15, they are going to have to trade up because I'm telling you now, if it gets to the Saints pick, there are going to be receivers and the likely receiver being, you know, Chris Olave and Drake London will not be there at 22. Um, maybe they could take a risk, you know, maybe with Sky Moore, uh, you know, other guys, Traylon Burden, guys like that. I don't think those are number ones. In my mind, Drake London is a number one. Um, Yes, the separation to me is a concern. He can't separate as well. But when you got a 6'4 uh, and you got a frame like he does, the, the separation kind of almost becomes distance because of how he almost separates himself with just the pure mass and size that he has at 6'4. Uh, he's a workhorse. I mean, he must have caught millions of catches at USC. I mean, I think he was getting like 20 targets a game um, at USC. This guy's going to be really good. Obviously, the comparison that he's drawing is Mike Evans. I think it's a very fair comparison. Mike Evans is a guy that does get hated on, but every year he gets 1,000 yards, and he's consistent. This guy's going to be playing with Rodgers. Drake London is going to be an all-pro with Aaron Rodgers. Um, that's that's for sure. Okay, number 14, Jermaine Johnson um, to the Ravens. I think this is a very classy pick. Um, you the defense is, is where it's at for the Ravens. They need to get it bolstered, especially in a division that you have, you know, you got Joe Burrow, um, you know, p- possibly Malik Willis, maybe hinting at the next pick, um, and, and Mal- Malik Willis, and then you got Deshaun Watson. So you, you've really got to get to the quarterback in this division. Jermaine Johnson provides that. Um, he he really, really started his, his collegiate career rough um didn't didn't really get much going uh he was on last chance you which i just learned which is pretty dope um he's going to be a three stance guy um which i think is going to work better for the baltimore ravens you know he's not really that two stance that really just you know sits in the five tech uh but he he's he racks up he racked up 14 sacks 25 qb hurries also got acc defensive player of the year this year um the fluidity in his lips uh, <laughs> the fluidity in his hips, not his lips, his hips. Uh, he's moving like Shakira out there. He's got also great moves, his spin move. Uh, he has good hand swipes. I, I think this is a guy that you pair with Owe, uh, the, the obviously the guy who had an impressive rookie year from Penn State last year. I, I think why not add another young pass rusher to the mix? Um, okay, number 15, like I hinted at, Malik Willis is going to be a stealer, one way or another. I have them trading up to 15 uh, with with the Philadelphia Eagles. I think it's, to me, I just picture it as they're going to get cold feet. They're not going to, they're just going to rush it and be like, okay, we've got to move up to 15 because we think the Saints will take them at 16. That's what I'm thinking. And so that's why I think the Steelers will trade up. Um Look, you can't feel comfortable with Mitchell Trubisky at, at QB1. Um, obviously, I don't picture Malik Willis being the day one starter, but he's going to get his opportunity soon enough. And when he does, he's going to show people what this dude is capable of. I think he has a lot of raw potential. Obviously, he has a great arm. And if, if you watch his pro day like you watch any other QB pro day, he you know he goes on the run and throws a 60-yard bomb. I mean, every quarterback does that in their pro day. So... 
I don't look at that and say that's impressive, but when you just purely watch him at Liberty and playing in actual games, yeah, he's got an arm. Maybe he, he does a little too much power, uh, but, you know, I mean, a little more power is a little better than less power, so I, I would take it. Um, okay, at 16, with Malik Willis off the board, I'm going to Chris Olave. I, I think Michael Thomas is going to have a comeback year for sure. I think he's still a very good receiver. But there's no one else in that room that really makes me feel comfortable. Um, and plus, look, Jameis is coming back. You, you need to add some sort of threat besides Michael Thomas um, to this offense. You have Alvin Kamara. But then besides Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, you really don't have anybody. Um, and, and I think adding a guy like Chris Olave, obviously, Chris Olave compared to the other guys like Drake London, Jameson Williams, and Garrett Wilson isn't really right off the bat at number one. Um, so I think that's what eases it in where he's kind of playing that number two under Mike, Th- Michael Thomas, and then maybe eventually maybe becomes the number one. But regardless, I like the Chris Lave pick at 16. I, th- I think it'll benefit both sides very well. Number 17, Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle from Georgia. I like this pick a lot. And I made this pick originally, I was going to take Jordan Davis, but the more and more I read about Devontae Wyatt, the more I liked him over Jordan Davis. Um, the biggest thing to me is he stays on the field. Uh, he's, he's, he's a 100% competitor. He's going to give it his all. He had 23 pressures this year, which is something, look, there's no doubt that the Chargers had a phenomenal, phenomenal offseason this year. But the one thing they didn't address was that interior defensive line position. Um, and that is something that they are going to need um, with just the <laughs> the absolute talent that is in the AFC West this year. And so I, and so I think... Adding a guy like Devontae Wyatt, who's going to be on the field for a little bit more than Jordan Davis, um, you know, to me, he, he's also a lot more, more versatile. He's best at three tech. He and what he does best is he can generate pressure in the pass, and 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 that is what they're going to need. You got Khalil Mack and you got Joey Bosa, both both guys who can generate pass rush, but also very good in the rushing game. Devontae White is going to be that guy that you can just anchor in the middle and he can be that dominant force uh, for you in the past and also the rush as well. 18, this is where we see our first linebacker taken. Devin Lloyd, linebacker from Utah. I'm torn between Devin Lloyd and N'Kobe Dean. I love both of them equally. Um, I don't want to say and I don't want to put any bias. I would be happy with either one of them for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, but the Cowboys pick isn't right now. So we're going to stick to 18. Devin Lloyd is going to be an eagle. The Eagles are probably one of those teams that need help in a lot of positions, but they also don't need help in a lot of positions. One position they definitely need help in is the linebacker position. Um, Lloyd, to me, is a phenomenal linebacker. Both him and Dean are just freak athletes. They play really well in coverage. Dean's, I I mean, sorry, Devin, Devin Lloyd's IQ is there. Uh, he can also rush the passer, eight sacks, seven quarterback hits, 16 hurries. The Eagles are going to try to replicate a Micah Parsons in this guy is what I think they're going to try to be like, okay, Dallas got Micah. Let's see if we can turn Devin Lloyd into that that kind of Micah Parsons-esque type of player. I think that's what they're going to try to attempt to do with Devin Lloyd. Now at 19, Saints are picking again. Who do they take? Trevor Penning. I'm going to say it again. Trevor Penning, you need a an elite left tackle now in the NFL. It, it just absolutely shows. If you do not have a guy who cannot play the left tackle very well, you're in for a bad season. You know, you're in for a bad, unless you got some remarkable quarterback like a Joe Burrow or, well, I don't know about Joe Burrow in that conversation, but if you've got a remarkable quarterback, maybe it's different. 
but for Jameis Winston, he needs that blindside protection. And Trevor Payne's that perfect dude. Trevor Payne's like 6'7". He's an absolute unit. And Teron Armstead had left you. So you, you need to fill that left tackle position. It's very crucial. I, I really like the pick um, of Trevor, Pen- Trevor Penning at 19. At number 20, Trent McDuffie. So now we just had an Eagles pick again. <laughs> um, to me, the Eagles... Defense, 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 defense is is what they should really be thinking, you know, especially in the first rounds, because offensively, there's not really going to be guys there at 1820 that I really love enough to say, okay, go draft that guy. Maybe they could get a receiver, maybe Sky Moore, maybe a Jahan Dotson, maybe stay and stay with a Jahan Dotson. Um, You don't need to bolster the offensive line. It's a really good offensive line. I would, I'm still giving Hurts another year. I'm not a guy that's going to give up on Hurts. I think you have a solid receiving core. You're running back Miles Sanders. He's pretty good. Defense, defense, defense in these early rounds. Trent McDuffie, you need another corner. Why not get a guy like Trent McDuffie? Um, all right, 21. Nicobe Dean goes to the Dallas Cowboys. I have the Cowboys actually trading up um, right here for moving up three spots with New England uh, to take Nicobe Dean. I mean, there's not much more to say that I already said about Devin Lloyd that's not already in N'Kobe Dean. The only difference is N'Kobe Dean is probably five times more of a freak athlete than Devin Lloyd. Uh, Devin Lloyd is phenomenal, and there's no question about this, but when I watch N'Kobe Dean, I'm like, oh my God. It, it's I don't know how he ran a very slow 40, because every time I've watched this guy play at Georgia, or when you, even when you watch the Georgia defense, the guy that pops off the screen is N'Kobe Dean. And, and, and so I think the Cowboys right here, look, the Cowboys have had a rough, rough offseason. Um, and if there's any way to turn it around, it's 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 a playmaker like this with N'Kobe Dean. And you mix that with a Michael Parsons, man, Dan Quinn is going to have some fun. And plus, N'Kobe Dean can't play in the pass. You know, he only allowed a 30.7 QB rating, which was remarkable this year. Um, so I, I, I like the Nicobe Dean pick. All right, now let's going to run through the last 10 picks. Jordan Davis, 22, best player available for me for Houston. I, I think Jordan Davis, I talked about him earlier. Yes, he's probably not going to be on the field as much as you would like. And Devontae White is why I have, you know, the Chargers going there at 17. I think Jordan Davis, though, I think he's still a phenomenal athlete. We saw what he did in the combine. I mean, it was impressive that he ran that 40. Uh, so I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go Jordan Davis, simply best player available. 23, the Cardinals are going to take Tyler Linderbaum, center out of Iowa. Now, this is a guy that had top 10 potential and completely slipped down um, a lot of people's boards and even mock drafts. I still like Tyler Linderbaum. I think he's, he's, a, he's a beast at center. You know, he's obviously undersized, but he makes up for his strength and his hands. Uh, I really like the pick. Look, if the Cardinals want Kyler Murray to stay, they're going to have to build this offensive lineup. And so, and so Tyler Lindebaum is that perfect guy to put right down the middle um, and become best friends with Kyler Murray. At 24, the Patriots obviously traded back at 24 with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to have them going an interesting route and taking David Ajabo. Now, I understand that David Ajabo has torn his ACL and you know we don't know when he's going to be back. But I think, and I heard someone talk about this, a team like the Patriots or a team that already is very complete on defense can afford to take a guy like David Ajabo because they can they can allow him you know they don't need to rush him back and me to me a David Ajabo is a top 10 player if he didn't get hurt and he was a top 10 player if he didn't get hurt so I think this I mean this is a scary pick if 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 they allowed David Ajabo to land in the hands of Bill Belichick who was a defensive guru 
and, and David Jabu comes back to full health, it, it is going to be dangerous. All right, 25, Daxton Hill, cornerback, Michigan. Look, the, the one thing you could definitely note about this Bills defense was that secondary. They, <laughs> that secondary needs help. I think Daxton Hill is the perfect guy that slot in, boom. 26, Tennessee, Zion Johnson, guard, Boston College. There's a lot of upside in Zion Johnson. I'm not going to lie. Tennessee is going to need to get a better offensive line. Uh, I, I think we, should, we we saw it this season. It's good, but it can be a lot better, and Zion Johnson's that guy. 27, Andrew Booth. Now, the, the corners, once you get past, you know, Derek Singletary and, and Sauce Gardner, that's where the corners get interesting. And, and so Andrew Booth, he's this taller, lengthy corner, but what he does well is he, he moves very well, right? He moves very well as a corner. Um, I think he's kind of that perfect fit that they kind of like in Tampa. Um, I like Andrew Booth, so I'm going to take him at 27. Um, at 28, Green Bay, they're going to take Bernhard Rainman, tackle out of Central Michigan. Look, I already have them taking Drake London, which is the first time they've drafted a receiver since 2002, which is wild. Um, they're going to take a tackle right here. I think you've got to protect Rodgers, you know. Not much more to that pick. Now, 29 and 30, the Chiefs own both of those picks. This is a pivotal draft for the Chiefs. Why? Because they just lost Tyree Kill. Not only did they just lose Tyree Kill, but the AFC West became probably a top five division of all time, uh, if you look at the big scheme of things. So <laughs> this team needs to hit on this draft. So at 29, they're going to take Jahan Dotson, and at 30, they're going to take Roger McCarry. Jahan Dotson is... Probably the best slot receiver in this draft. He's speedy. He's he's agile. He has really, really good hands. He can make those oh my God type of plays. That's a guy that, okay, maybe he's not, you know, super, super elusive and super fast like Tyreek Hill, but Patrick Mahomes is gonna love a guy like Jahan Dotson. At 30, I love Roger McCarry. Uh, he's an excellent one-on-one corner. Uh, he's physical. Uh, you know, I mean, Auburn corners, SEC corners, they're going to get in your face. That's what they do. And, and so I like Roger McCary at 30. Number 31 to, to round up, you know, the first round, but these last two picks, Keon Green guard. Do I need to explain? Do I, do I really need to explain why the Bengals would take a guard right here? No. The Bengals need every offensive line position. So whoever the best available is, to me, that's Keon Green um, that I left on my board. So I, I was gonna, Keon Green, to me, is a smart pick. Finishing us off, 32, Desmond Ritter, quarterback Cincinnati. I, look, if this draft goes the way it goes and the Lions are able to eight, land Aiden Hutchinson and Desmond Ritter in the first round, the future is bright. I think Desmond Ryder is a Dave Campbell type of guy. He's a physical, big, big runner. He has a good arm. I think he's going to be a perfect fit. Look, you can't trust Jared Goff for the future. I mean, that that's just, you You can't trust Jared Goff for the future. That's just not something you can do. And I think Desmond Ryder will probably take his job if, if he gets selected by the Lions within the year. Um, anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jude, signing off. And... I would like to let you know, because I know this was a longer podcast, but I am doing a special Stop the Clock uh, where we're talking more draft, you know, and, and, and so in this podcast, you know, obviously I talked, you know, more about the players in depth, but in tomorrow's podcast, we are doing a special Stop the Clock for this year's draft. Me and Sam are finally getting back together after a long, long break. 
Um, we're going to be back in the studio recording and um we're gonna we're gonna make it a fun time we're gonna make it a fun time and um yeah so that so that one's gonna be a lot more just draft talk not really just going pick by pick by pick um and obviously if you guys haven't seen his mock draft go over to his channel that football topic where you could check his mock draft uh because we're definitely gonna be talking about both of ours um in tomorrow's episode of stop the clock anyway guys thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast as always i'm your